Amen. We're going to continue tonight to talk about the life of faith. And the Bible says to have faith in God. And so we're going to open with a scripture that we've been talking about. Luke chapter 18, verse 8. It says, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? I thought it'd be appropriate if we uh, look at our scripture that's on the wall back here. This is kind of the theme scripture of this ministry. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. The message translation says, The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes that Jesus is is the Son of God. The, tra- uh, the Passion Translation says it this way, So who are the world conquerors defeating its power? Those who believe Jesus is the Son of God. I want us to kind of zoom out today, not the cameras, but our viewpoint today, and take a bird's eye view of what we're talking about, this life of faith. You know, John 3.16 is... Uh, you know, most Christians know the scripture for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so for us to believe in what in, in God, to have faith in God, we must know what the nature of God is. And pastor did a great job of that Sunday morning talking about how God is love. And so if you have faith in God, then you can have faith in love. Well, what love did was love for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. And so if you have faith in God, then you got to believe that Jesus is the son of God. And so if you believe that Jesus is the son of God, then you have faith that overcomes the world and the world's ways. It's it's pretty simple when when you look at it from a bird's eye view. John 10, 10, Jesus said this, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The Amplified says to the full till it overflows. I read somewhere a commentary that said that Jesus didn't come to give us life that, that was just the essentials, but he super added So that we can have a super happy life. (laughs) I like that. Let's see what this everlasting life, this eternal life begins the moment that we get born again. So what that means is for us that it's there's eternal joy. There's eternal peace. There's eternal blessing. And it's not just when we get to heaven. It starts the moment that. That uh, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and we make Him Lord of our life. That's awesome. So the one that gives eternal life lives on the inside of us. So that life-creating force, let there be life, lives on the inside of us. And so when Proverbs says death and life are in the power of the tongue, it's because you have the life of God on the the creative force of the life of God on the inside of you. So he says, 
This is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith. This word, world, uh, word overcome, it means to overpower or prevail over something. It means to win. It means to get a victory. I don't know anybody that's played sports that doesn't care if they win or not. You know, if your philosophy is, well, it doesn't matter if you win or lose, play on the other guy's team because I'm out to win. And that's what overcoming is, is it's winning, it's victory. It's overpowering, it's prevailing. Well, the opposite of overcoming and the antonyms of overcoming, this will help give us some perspective of what overcoming is. It means to fold. It means to wash out. It means to surrender. We're talking about the opposite of overcoming. It means to go under. It means to lose. It means to give in. It means to yield. But this is the word that I'm concerned about. The opposite of overcoming. It means to be indifferent. It means to have no interest, either good or bad. To not care. To be indifferent. And Jesus addresses this in Revelation. He said, be hot or be cold. Don't be indifferent. Be one, be the other. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 6, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We must believe that he is. What is he? He is everything that we need. And so sometimes we compartmentalize what Jesus is to us or what God is to us. We might can believe God for healing. You know, I remember this one time a man came up in the prayer line years ago and he wanted prayer for his physical body. He was disabled. And so do you, do you believe, sir, that Jesus can heal you? Jesus, the healer, do you believe he can heal you? He says, yes, but I'm concerned about, you know, will, will that mean that I won't get my disability check anymore? So he could believe God in one area. And Jesus was to him his healer and he could believe that. But this other area of life, he had a hard time believing that. But the, but the one who uh, comes to God must believe that he is. When God said to Moses, I am that I am. Well, that just covers it all. I'm everything. I am. Then put something behind it. That's what God is. And so what Jesus did was he came to show us who God was. And who God is. He said, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. 
And so he came to, uh, just like when God made Adam, in, made man in his image, Jesus now is showing us the image of God and the love of God and the compassion of God and the mercy of God and the, the nature of God. And so this is important to understand who God is because it affects our faith. If we believe uh, what some people teach about God, that God will do this to you and do that to you, it's going to affect your faith of receiving from God and living victoriously in this life. Total trust and total dependence in God. You know, we can get to a place in life where, you know, we begin to, I call it go on cruise control, where, where life starts rolling along and, and lose sight of the fact that God, want, He's on the inside of us and wants in our lives every day. He's still a jealous God. He wants us to spend time with Him, to worship Him. He's on the inside of you. This life-creating force on the inside of you. Well, Peter got this revelation. In Matthew chapter 16, I relate some, sometimes to Peter, you know, because Peter said some things that, uh, you know, he probably shouldn't have said. Sometimes, you know, I've done that in the past. <laughs> I've said some things I shouldn't have said. You know, but, but at the end of the day, Jesus said, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, love my sheep. You know, do the work of the ministry, Peter. And Peter, in Acts, boy, he went on a tear and, and tore the world upside down for God. I pray that over me and you, that we will be world changers, that we will turn this world upside down. Matthew chapter 16 Verse 13, Jesus says, who do men say that I am? They said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You know, if we put it in the context of that, who do you say Jesus is? Well, Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my provider. You know, he's this to me. He's that to me. But Jesus asked but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him and said, You are the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Wow. Because we must believe that he is. And if you have overcoming faith, you are one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. And he lives on the inside of you. And he's taken your dead life and, and brought you to life, to eternal life. That, that's a big deal. We take that so casually sometimes. But that's a big deal that we have everlasting life. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, why well, say to you? Peter, you're blessed for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. So in other words, this came by revelation. 
My Father in heaven has. And I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, that sounds to me like overcoming. When the church gets revelation, listen to me. When the church gets revelation of who he is and who we are, who he's created us to be, and that he's on the inside of us, we can't be stopped. We can't be stopped. It says that Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. The church will be glorious when Jesus comes back. What's that mean to be glorious? It means that we are full of glory. What's the glory? The manifested presence, the manifested power, and the manifested goodness of God. What did Jesus do? He went about doing good. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That's that's showing the goodness of God. That's on the inside of you and me. Jesus on the inside of you and me wanting to show other people his goodness. God's goodness. So who we believe he is will determine the level of faith that we walk in. You know, Jesus talked about varying levels of faith. How is it that you have no faith? Oh, you of little faith. And I haven't seen such great faith. So he talked about varying levels of faith. Well, that's going to be according to who we believe he is. And according to who we believe we are through him who is. Satan is trying to steal the word that produces faith. Mark 4 talks about that. That he'll come immediately to try to steal the word. I've heard some people say, he'll come immediately, if not sooner, to try to steal the word. Why? Because he doesn't want you to have faith. He doesn't want you to believe that you can overcome. He doesn't want you to believe that, that this thing will ever end. He wants you to be paralyzed. He wants you to be indifferent and having no interest, not thinking that you can make any difference in life. That's what he wants you to believe, but that's a lie. And so what does Paul tell Timothy? He tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Are you getting anything out of this? Hey, hang in there because I'm going to go from Genesis to Revelation here in a few minutes of who God is. And you you want to stick around for this. (laughs) First Timothy chapter six and verse 12. He says, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. What did God send Jesus to do? That all may have what? Everlasting life. And so Paul's telling Timothy, you got to fight for this good fight of faith. You got to fight. 
and lay hold on eternal life. So let's look at those two words for a second. What does it mean to fight? It means that we have to contend. And we're contending for a prize. You know, of course, we know that our fight isn't against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual uh, uh, wickedness, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. So, so that's what we're, our fight is. It's, it's God's kingdom versus Satan's kingdom. It's good versus evil. Where do you think these movies get this stuff? It's right out of the word of God. It's classic good versus evil. So he says, fight the good fight of faith. And he says, lay hold of eternal life. This word lay lay hold of means to take a hold of it, to seize it, to not let go. The first time I ever asked my wife, Nikki, (laughs) to to do something with me, you know, to uh, hang out with me. We were going out to the, to the river in Tennessee and uh, to these. If you're under 18, please turn it off right now. I only want to speak to adults. We go out to, the, to these cliffs at the river. And the cliffs had varying heights. People would jump off into the river. and It was deep. And, but it also had a rope swing. And so I invited Nikki to go with us and, and uh, you know, I wanted to try to impress her and, you know, jump off the cliff. Well, I jumped off the cliff, you know, I'm the man. She dove off the cliff. So anyway, we go down to the, to the rope swing and it was a swing where you're coming from a cliff, you know, out and then you have to hang on for dear life. And so I grabbed a hold and you, you're jumping up to grab the, this, uh, the big knot. And so I jumped up, grabbed the big knot and I, I'm hanging on for dear life, hanging on for dear life. And I am not letting go until I swung out to the peak of the rope and everybody said, let go, let go. Because if you don't let go, you're going back into the cliff. So finally I let go and, and dropped in the water. But that's the picture that This word, lay hold of eternal life. It's to seize it. No, joy is mine because the Bible says it's mine. Jesus paid the price for me to have joy. Jesus paid the price for me to have peace. Jesus paid the price for me to be healed. Jesus paid the price for me. So I seize it. I take it. I lay hold on this. And I'm not letting go. The Amplified says, firmly held. In the South, we'd say, grab hold of it. Grab hold of eternal life. (laughs) The message translation says, he says, well, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And so here's Paul. At the end of his race, and he says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. 
When the Son of Man returns, will he really find faith? We're in a fight for our faith. To stay in faith. And to not be in and out of God's ways and the world's ways. This is the victory that overcomes the world's ways, our faith. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. I've held on to it. I haven't let go of it. I'm not giving up. It doesn't matter what people say because Satan comes to steal the word. So what does he do? Throw other words at you to get you to believe some other word than the word. To get you to believe some other him than he who is. The message translation says, I've run hard to the finish. Watch this. And I believed all the way. That's, a, that's what I want my life to be. I want my life to be, Lord, I believed you all the way. Amen. He says, finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. The Amplified says the victor's crown. What do we got? What are we doing in this to overcome? What does that mean? To fight, to be victorious, to win. There is laid up for me the victor's crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. When the Son of Man returns, will he really find faith? Are we looking for his return? Do we have our eyes focused on the prize? Are we looking toward eternal life? That's why this this life is just for a moment. Our light affliction is for a moment compared to eternal life. You know, I watched a video of a young man that went to both hell and to heaven. And he recounts his story of both. And, and he talked about when he got to hell, he could, he could barely breathe. You know, that he could see people's thoughts. You can't really communicate. He was going on talking about how bad hell was. And basically what hell is, is the absence of everything that is good. Because it's the absence of God. So it's separation from God. So it's separation from everything that is good. But then he went to heaven. And he said, all I could think about when I stood before the throne of God was, I just want to do whatever he says. And so when he got back down to earth, he says, y'all don't know how thick it is here on the earth compared to how easily you could breathe in heaven. You don't know how... How bad the lighting is when you get to heaven and you see that God is light and in him is no shadows at all. No darkness at all. This is, listen, this is where we're going. And so we're to run this race. First Corinthians chapter nine. As I wrap this up. First Corinthians chapter nine says... Run a race. Do you know that those who run, run uh, in a race, all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. In other words, win. 
This is the victory that overcomes the world. This is the victory that causes us to win our faith. He says, therefore, then everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it for, to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. This crown of, of righteousness, this, the uh, revelation refers to it as the crown of life. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Revelation chapter 3, verse 11. James chapter 1, verse 12 calls it the crown of life. This crown is a badge of royalty. It's a prize. Like in public games where they, where they award the prize like in Olympic games. This is a big deal. This isn't something to take lightly. This isn't something to take casual. This eternal life that Jesus has died, rose from the grave, sent by Father God who loved and is now on the inside of me and you. Wow. It's a prize in public games that is conspicuous and elaborate. I like that. That God rewards us openly with the crown of life. Listen, this is what we have to look forward to. I'm I'm telling you, let's take a bird's, bird's eye view of this. This is where we're going. So we got to keep our eyes on the prize. We have to set our minds on the things of heaven, not on the things of the earth. For the things of the earth are temporary. Mama said it. I'm sure your mama said it. Grandma said it. This too shall pass. (laughs) Wait around. It'll change. But God doesn't change. He's good all the time. And all the time, God is good. That's his nature. Wow. So I'm taking a page out of a Dr. Savell sermon. And this is intended to build our faith on who he is. Remember, it says, you must believe that he is. Who is he to you? Who do you believe that he is? You can find this message if you go to YouTube or somewhere or go on our website at jsmi.org and look for the fourth man sermon that Dr. Savell preached that uh, Brother Oral Roberts preached years ago and Dr. Savell preached it. But I'm going I'm to go through the end of this from Genesis to Revelation because it's going to build your faith On who God is. In Genesis, he's the seed of a woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. In 1st and 2nd Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he's our faithful scribe. Who do you believe that he is? In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the broken down walls of our human life. In Esther, he's our Mordecai. In Job, he's our day spring from on high and our ever living redeemer. 
In Psalms, he's the Lord, our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, he's our lover and the bridegroom. In Isaiah, he is the Prince of Peace. Who do you believe that he is? In Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the burning fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's the faithful husband, forever married to the backslider. In Joel, he's the baptizer of the Holy Ghost and fire. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's mighty to save. In Jonah, he's our great foreign missionary. Who do you believe that he is? In Micah, he's the messenger of beautiful feet of carrying the gospel. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he is the he is God's evangelist crying, revive thy work in the midst of thy years. In Zephaniah, he's the savior. In Haggai, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's the fountain opened in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. And in Malachi, he is the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. Who do you believe that he is? All through the Bible, the Bible tells us who he is. In Matthew, he's the Messiah. In Mark, he's the wonder worker. In Luke, he's the son of man. In John, he's the son of God. In Acts, he's the Holy Spirit. In Romans, he's the justifier. In Corinthians, he's the gifts of the spirit. In Galatians, he's the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he's the Christ on unreachable riches. In Philippians, he's the God who supplies all of our needs. Who do you believe that he is? In Colossians, he's the Godhead bodily. In 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, he's our soon coming king. Hallelujah. In 1st and 2nd Timothy, he's our mediator between God and man. In Titus, he's our faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's the great physician. Who do you believe that he is? In first and second Peter, he's the chief shepherd. In first, second, and third John, he's the everlasting love. And in Jude, he's the Lord coming and 10,000 of his saints. And in Revelations, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. He's Abel's sacrifice. He's Noah's rainbow. He's Abraham's ram. He's Isaac's well. He's Jacob's scepter. He's Moses' rod. He's Joshua's sun and moon. He's Elijah's mantle. He's Elisha's staff. He's Gideon's fleece. Who do you believe that he is? (laughs) He's Samuel's horn and oil. He's David's slingshot. He's Hezekiah's sundial. He's Daniel's vision. He's Amos's burden. He's the son of righteousness. He's Peter's shadow. He's Stephen's signs and wonders. Who do you believe that he is? He's Paul's handkerchief. He's John's pearly white city. He's father to the orphan. He's husband to the widow. He's the traveler in the night for those that are traveling. He's the lily of the valley. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the bright morning star. He's the honey in the rock. He's the brightness of God's glory. He's the express image of the person of God. He's the king of glory. He's a pearl of great price. He's a rock in a weary land. He's a cup that runneth over. He's the rod and the staff 
that comforts. He's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God. Hallelujah. And he's coming back for you and for me. Who do you believe that he is? Hallelujah. (laughs) We must believe that he is everything. And put our total faith and trust and dependence in him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we just love you tonight. Lord, we thank you for building our faith tonight, Lord. This life of faith that you called us to live. Lord, and I thank you that that you're pouring out grace in this hour for people to live godly. Lord, and as people are drawing in close to you, Lord, these things that that have plagued them begin to just fall off of them as they get into your presence. Because in your presence, demons have to flee. And we thank you for it, Father. We thank you for your love for us tonight. And we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You are victorious. You are an overcomer. That's who you are. He's made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's do this thing. (laughs) Hallelujah.